Hello and welcome to another edition of the G- of the CBB Super Show. We got my dog in the background there. As usual, my name is Walter, aka Dub Deuces eighty five, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and friend and partner in crime and jack of all sports, the uh, the man, the myth, legend, uh, Dylan and Profile, and Pete Cole. Pete, how are you this morning? What's up, Walter? Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, everything's going well. All our sports are going well here at YFC. Big sale going on, fifty percent off month of March, March Madness. Big slate tonight. This is a big slate for Wednesday, right? I, I think it's I think it's gotta be the biggest slate of the year on Wednesday night, isn't it? A DK. It might be. It might be, yeah. Uh... Is it ten get ten games? Uh it's a nine nine gamer. Nine, and, uh, nine yeah, games, it's yeah. it's pretty uh it's pretty large for a Wednesday, definitely, but we're we're having some makeup games, and it's towards the end of the season, regular season now. So they're just there's a lot of games available to them to to do. They could have even had it be bigger. There's about three or four other games that could have been on here, but they opted not to. And they're typically those games like, uh, you know, uh, Florida State. I think is playing Boston College today, and they typically don't have you know when they can help it, they try not to have the the uber bad teams on the slate, which I would have been fine with that one. But um, yeah, it's a it's a definitely a good slate. For sure. They need, they need to add some more contests, by the looks of it. They're just, just contests are so small. I'm just looking at these things, double ups and stuff. They, they could be adding much more contests, much more GVPs also. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, what, what ends up happening too, yeah, then they start, you know, I always mess around with the $12 single entry and $6 and stuff, and they, they fill it. It's like 58 people, and then they'll, they'll drop like a 15 person and then a 12 person. And yeah, they, they could probably just do it bigger. Um, definitely in the, the larger field of GBPs. I'm one of the weirdos that actually likes on a single entry, some of those like under 100 entrant guys. I don't know. I just feel like their variance is cut down. But you're right. The bigger field ones definitely need to be much bigger, and especially in double ups when we're facing a lot of people we see every single day that either listen to our show or they know CBB and, and you end up with a lot of 2v2 stuff. So I'm 100% in agreement there with you on the, on the double up side. All right, we are going to be going game by game here as we typically do. Uh, it's in the free room, so if you're not a member yet, you can go ahead and post into the general ch- uh, chat if you have any questions there in the Discord, right underneath the Your Fielder's Choice logo. Um, if you can't find it, that's where it is. As Pete mentioned, we're running a promo, March Madness, 50% off, so you're only paying $25 for, con- for access to all content, which includes MLB, NHL, Possibly KBO coming back around. We know we had that fun with that. WNBA, esports, the rest of uh, a CBB, college football, all that good stuff um, happening now and in the future. So definitely um, get on with us and check things out and see how you like it because we uh, pride ourselves on our content. And we're going to be a one-stop once we get the optimizer here working. We should be soon. All right, Pete, let's go ahead and jump into these games here. And then I should, I should say that the slate is uh, 30 minutes earlier than we typically see. So don't get caught being like, oh, shoot, I, I thought I had more time. We've seen that happen a couple of times, but there are two games happening at the 3.30 hour for you weirdos on the East Coast, the 6.30 hour, I suppose. Um, that must be nice, by the way, not having to get off work and having games right away. Um, but, yeah, let's get started here. Missouri versus Florida. Ken Palm has a 75-70 in favor of Florida. They're 144 tempo ranking, Missouri 159. These are two teams that are kind of limping along here at the wrong time. You know, you want to be – very, you know, you want to be winning games and having a, uh, you know, going the right direction as the tournament heads. And I know Florida's won, you know, what, two, three games in a row, but they've still, they've looked pretty, I don't know, they've looked pretty 
like a team that you can't count on to make the second weekend. So I don't know. Missouri is going the opposite direction with multiple losses, but I do feel like Florida is still very, very fantasy friendly and a team that's susceptible to lose even at home here. Uh, I do like Missouri as kind of a sneaky bet. If you guys are on the betting side there, Missouri's plus four. I definitely like that. The total is 140 and a half as well, which is a pretty high total <clears throat> price wise here. There's a lot to like Drew Smith at six, three, I think is a nice little semi cash slash, you know, GPP play there that he's on the lower side of things. Definitely has high upside. Um, Tillman's up back up up to almost seven K. I think he's probably a guy that you can leave off your list. And then for GPPs, I always like Xavier Pinson there at five, two. Um, he has one of the highest usage rates on the team at 31% and a shot rate of 31% as well. He hasn't done quite as well recently, but he definitely has a ton of upside, 40, 45 point upside, especially in a matchup like this. Must game, win game for Missouri. I could see him doing some serious damage. <clears throat> on the Florida side, I'm probably done with the Castleton experiment. He keeps on, you know, he starts, but then comes off the bench. And no matter what, he's still playing about 25 to 28 minutes. And his price is starting to be very favorable at 6'5". Um, but again, he is going to be having to face, you know, guys like Jeremiah Tillman, Kobe Brown, who are very capable post players. Castleton's an amazing shot blocker, but he just doesn't really move me right now. And I know the second that I jump off is when he's going to, you know, uh, end up having like one of his 40 point games. But I'm just I'm just not with it. I'm looking more so at a guy like Tyree Appleby at 5'4", who I think is probably the best overall play on here when you consider pace, uh, price, you know, rates for him. I definitely like him at 5-4. And then, you know, Scotty Lewis at 4K. Two games ago, a lot of people were high on him. Jumped back on. He did play minutes, but then the game after, he only played 13. So even at 4K, I just don't know that we can trust him. We have a ton of viable value on this slate. As Pete mentioned at the beginning, the, the prices are very soft. So I don't know that we need to get super cute and play a guy like Scotty Lewis. If you're running multiple lineups, by all means, I just don't see him being a main team play today. I would even actually rather play, and this is the first time all season you'll hear me say this, and probably the first time ever and the only time, that I think Noah Lockett 3-9 is a viable play. He is kind of a stand-in-the-corner-and-shoot-threes guy, but I'm a really firm believer in the superstitious type stuff. You guys know that. Anytime a player that hovers around 4 to 5K dips under that 4K threshold, um, they just go bonkers. Uh, and I, I don't know, 3-9 against Missouri, who's decent against the three. I think that he could end up paying that price off fairly easy. He's still playing big minutes. You know, he's just not going to give you anything. So you need his shot to be falling. Um, but I do see him having a good game here. Um, prefer him over Scotty Lewis and probably even over Anthony DeRuji at 4-4, who has been playing big minutes, just came off a 33-minute game last game. Who's definitely viable. But uh, this isn't a game that I necessarily want to be stacking. But the prices are good on several of these options. So what do you think here? Yeah, that, this is my problem Like when I first looked at this slate. Especially if like this game, the first game right here, there's a ton of value. There's like too much value. So you, you gotta like spend the day whisking through all these all these guys and figuring out, but you can't play them all. But I think there is pieces here you can play. And then you got Castleton at top of six five, probably even a value in himself. I know there's all these guys at the low fives, but Castleton actually impressed me a little bit on Saturday. Where like he kind of got that he was getting a bigger role in the offense. And then teams started doubling down on him, and they were taking the ball away. He was trying to fight through it. And then all of a sudden, you started noticing, who did he play Saturday? Kentucky, right? Yeah, in Kentucky game, all of a sudden, he was kicking the ball out and finding some finding Trey Mann, these guys, for shots. So next thing you know, I'm looking at like five assists. So add a little bit 
extra layer to his game, which I kind of like. And if you look at his logs, he's he's been over 20 DK since first week of January or so. So I guess once we get through the rest of the games and we'll see, but he's got to, he's got to be, to me, he's got to be in play. I just know this every time I play him, he lets me down. But if you look at his logs, he's good for pretty much at least 25 to 25 to 28, 30 a game. So, so I guess I got to like Castleton and I like the Pinson call at five, two. I think that's his, his five, two is probably most of most of his guys is, a, is their low watermark. I think five two was Pinson. Yeah, his high. No, he was in five two six weeks ago against Tennessee. This is like you said, this type of game for Pinson. So I kind of like the Pinson play. All these other guys, but you can make a case for even Mark Smith if if you at five three if you wanted to. There's so many, there's so many ways you can go. I I, I couldn't argue against a lot of these guys. Apple uh, Appleby also so. Man, I wish I almost wish this, this game was even on a sleep because there's way too many plays. But I think you're gonna have to, you're gonna come out of this game with probably at least one or two players, right? I mean, yeah, it certainly seems like you're gonna want exposure. Um, non typically a big stacker, but there's just so much to like overall in the slate with pricing. It's I just don't know if I want to come out of here because both teams have been so disappointing, especially recently. And that's why I had that little spiel about, you know, they're kind of going the wrong direction. I know Florida, like I said, has won three in a row, but there's been a lot of disappointing fantasy scores from both of these teams lately. So I'm a little little jittery about it. But, yeah, Applebee's, you definitely want at least one. Applebee's averaging 26 DK points over his last, what, eight games yep. or ten games? So I guess you can't go wrong playing these, but I guess as we go through the rest of these games, there's so many games here we'll see, but. You, I mean, you could you could logically play take a few guys from this game in your lineup it's because mainly because of the values. But I do like Castleton. I like Castleton probably more. I guess more of a GBP. But just what I saw him play against Kentucky, I saw a little extra late that game with some assists and kicking it out. So I kind of like that. And Trey Mann, we didn't even bring up bring up Trey Mann. Trey Mann is an elite. He's to me Trey Mann's a stud. Maybe seven nine, maybe a little bit high, but Mann's a stud in my book all the way. Definitely. Um, so I think to kind of summarize it here, because there is so many in play, uh, I think Applebee's the best cash play on the Florida side. I do like Noah Locke at 3-9. I, I, I typically don't like Noah Locke, but I think, at, you know, 28 minutes at 3-9, he can make value there. And then Missouri side, like you said, there's, you know, quite a, you could even make a case for Mark Smith. I don't know if you want to, but you could definitely do it. But I think Pinson right. is probably my favorite play. Um, and I think Drew Smith has some safety there too. So uh, next game. Connecticut versus Seton Hall. Ken Palm has this one 69-68 in favor of Seton Hall. They're 248 Temple ranking, UConn 315. Bryce Aiken has been practicing this week for Seton Hall. Seems likely to play. He's just 3.9K, so he's a, he's a GPP value um, that you could potentially use. He seems to be capped around that 20-minute mark, but we've seen him in the past put up some big scores during that time. So nobody will roster him if you're making a bunch of lineups and that you know bigger GPP. Definitely get some exposure if he plays. This game's going to be rather easy to to kind of break down. Um, there is some decent prices on guys because it is a softer price slate. One guy they did finally price up is, is our guy, James Booknight up to eight, four. He had been auto under eight K. I said, once he, you know, breached the eight K mark, we'd have to start thinking about it. I still still want to use him. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, it looks like he's probably going to be lower owned at eight, four because there's some other options, but he's looking great, man. You know, he still has that usage rate over 31% shot rate of 32%. He's drawing six fouls per 40, just a, a guy that can manufacture points at any time. 
did his minutes have you know trended down a bit? He had that 36 against Villanova, and then you know you found that article about the you know Hurley wanting to get him less. He played 34 against Georgetown, and the Marquette he played 31. Um, so they're doing a good job of managing his points, but he still did take 15 shots in that 31 minutes. He scored 24 points. His his peripheral stats were down. He had two rebounds, one assist, two steals. So he is at a price point now where. If he's going to be on a minutes cap, it's a little riskier. Maybe you want to move him to the GPP area. Yeah. But I just, I'm not going to count him out yet. I think he's still in play. Seton Hall's proven to be a very soft defense through and through. They have, you know, a, a lot of guys who can steal, a lot of guys who can block, but they just, they give up a lot of points, man. Um, and I think Book Knight can potentially do some damage. UConn wants to come out of this, you know, with a dub. They've got to, they've got to keep winning here. They have a 12-6 and six record. They've got an outside shot to do some damage if they can run through the Big East and win a couple of games. They have two winnable games against Hall here and then on Saturday against Georgetown. So I think they're going to they're gonna play him at least 32, 33 minutes. Um, and I think, you know, when he's out there, obviously that 30% usage rate is, is going to do some damage. So the price point is definitely risky. But as we saw last night with guys who score points, Moses Wright, 9K, you just play these guys who, who get these points. There are so few guys who are above busting now, especially this year. There's there's just a lot of bust potential and, and, and I guess not a lot of safety. So I tend to want to you know lean towards guys who are on the safer side. And Book Knight is definitely that guy. Um, if you're not comfortable with that price point, but you want to use someone from UConn, Tyrese Martin is there at 5'8". He's had two straight games under 20 fantasy points. Clearly, Book Knight being back, was going, we knew he was going to affect it, be affected by it. He definitely has. Um, but five eight is definitely a good price point to potentially target him and and you know get back up there over four x. With this slate being so softly priced, though, you may be wanting to target five x and not four x. Um, another guy that's priced really high in this one is Sandro Mamakulishvili. We haven't really been talking about him lately on many of the slates, but he's still churning out you know thirty plus fantasy points. He had a really bad game against Butler, a lot of turnovers, six turnovers, and I think he was chalky in that game. Um, if it, I think it was on the slate. And then he was 8-8 against Georgetown. He ended up scoring 34, So and then coming off of 53. So he's definitely still in play. He's more of a GPP guy, you know, best player on the team. But uh, I don't know. When he was under 8 or, or right around 8, it was like he was 70% owned all the time, and then people just kind of fell off. So I do like him as a leverage play to some of the chalkier options on the slate. Um, but 8-8 is just going to be a tough price to get to and, and feel comfortable with because UConn plays so slow and their defense has been pretty stout, especially with Book Knight back in, back in action. Um, and then you got Roden there at 7-1. He's really the only other player besides if I wanted to take a flyer on Aiken that I like. I do see this morning that Shavar Reynolds projects well. He always seems to. I'm not a big Reynolds fan. I think he's a big letdown player. Um, if he's going to be chalky on this slate, I'll gladly fade uh, and enjoy him getting, you know, 16 fantasy points at at 30%. That would be fine for me. So, how are you uh, attacking this one? Yeah. First of all, I see this is a this is senior night, Seton Hall, and they're actually gonna have fans for the first time this year. There's gonna be 1,700 people in the crowd, so that may play into it a little bit. But that it looks like Aiken may be getting the green light. And Aiken's last game was against UConn. I think we yeah, I think he had nine points back like two two weeks ago. I say go out and play Aiken, but uh, anytime Aiken's been on that floor and gives you 20 minutes, he's done something. Because I'm an, I like Aiken too. I'm an Aiken guy, but man, all these. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting sucked into Shavar Reynolds even at five four. He just does project well. Uh, honestly, really, Book Pot. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Bukna is definitely a definitely in play here, and he's going to be lower owned at eight four, and he didn't play this last game against Seton Hall, and he was out. 
And if you look, him and uh, him and RJ Cole have really played well together the last couple games. They've, they've really taken up a notch just in the chemistry. So uh, Cole down there, Cole is 7 fourth, more of a GPP play. But yeah, I could be all in on Book Knight at 8 4. And he's got, he's not, you know, he's not going to be as old as anybody thinks because he's only getting at 31 minutes. So, boot night for me, and that is it for cash. I'm not touching too much of this. All right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think with the soft pricing, we can't afford a, a luxury like book night. And uh, I don't know. I just see even in 30 minutes, you know, with his usage rate and, and shot rate, he should do well. All right, next game here is a. Oh, hey, well, one, one more name I want to bring up is Andre. Sure. Is Andre Andre Jackson G, is GBP. He's going to be very low owned, and if you notice the other game, he's really when he gets in that game, he really disrupts things, man, and in a good way. And I didn't realize he played almost thirty minutes against Marquette. So I like I just like this kid GBP only. But if you're playing more than one lineup, I would th- I would make a lineup with Cole Jackson and. Boop night, one of those guys in utilities. If you're making like more than one, you know, say three or four lineups, I just gotta, I just, I just like this Jackson kid. He does, he's got the peripherals and he's actually getting minutes now. So that's it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So next game here in Minnesota versus Penn State uh, should definitely be one you want to target. Lots of fantasy goodness here. Both teams give up tons of fantasy points. Ken Palm has it 76 73 in favor of Penn State. 117 Temple ranking for them, 103 for Minnesota. Um, the total here is 148, so it is the second highest on the slate behind Providence St. John's. Um, it is their Minnesota's plus four and a half on FanDuel Sportsbook. I kind of like them too, even if Robin sits. I, I still kind of like Minnesota. It's not a big believer in Penn State right now. Um, it's also come out that uh, Bruce Gotch has been playing through a foot injury for quite a while now, and that really explains his his lack of production since 2021 started. Because, um, you know, he at least had some games in December and November where he was decent. But uh, there is a chance that he potentially misses. But he's been playing on it so long. And, they, you know, they're shorthanded. And they, they technically need him, even though he's really not giving them a lot. So keep that in mind that he gosh, could miss. You know, that's 10, 15 minutes to go around. And then Robbins is still ailing. He's considered a game-time decision. If he misses a third straight game, you could still look at Eric Curry. Curry's, like, damn near min-price on FanDuel. So you can lock him in. 5K on DraftKings a little bit higher, but again, if Robbins misses, he's still hitting that 4X marker the last two games. Short sample, but Penn State struggles in the interior. They haven't been able to stop anyone that's a solid rebounder or does well in the post, and Eric Curry checks off both of those, albeit at a you know much lower rate because he's been much of a, a bench warmer for most of the season. Um, but he does have a almost 8% offensive rebounding rate when he's out there, um, which is pretty solid, all things considering. So I definitely like him. I definitely like Mashburn, another guy on FanDuel who's like 4-1. He's 5-7 on DraftKings. I definitely like him. Carr was ailing a little bit. Obviously, he went nuts, so his price is up to 9-5. So Carr, you know, he doesn't care about any injuries. But I still think Mashburn as a solid Robin to his Batman is in play here at 5-7. Uh, I think the Trey Williams experience is kind of, you know, dudded out. He's 3-9 and still technically in play, but... He's not getting any usage. It's Mashburn and Carr taking the shots, and now the emergence of Curry the last couple of games. There's just there's really no shots for Williams to be had. He's just out there to play defense, you know, crash the glass once in a while, but he's just not giving us anything at the 3-9 price tag. So I do have him listed as a GPP play. The article will be out here after the show shortly. Um, he's just not in play for me anymore. And I still really like Brandon Johnson. Curry's outshined him the last two, but Johnson's got 35, 40 plus upside. And with everybody locking in Curry potentially today, 
it'd be a nice GPP pivot to go to Brandon Johnson for 200 more because Johnson has had, like I said, really good games this year. He does have an 8.5% offensive rebounding rate, um, uh, a combined rate over 25%. Uh, gets himself to the foul line probably a way. He's got a 4.2 uh, fouls drawn for 40 rate and the highest offensive rating on the team. So there's a lot to like about him. He hasn't shown it necessarily much lately, but he's still scoring you know, roughly 18 to 20 fantasy points, which is right about 4x. Again, we're looking for 5x today because of how high scores are projected to be, but definitely got to keep in your, you know, your scopes. Penn State side, um, I'm not using your boy, Matt Myron Jones, still priced too high. He's really bad, man. He's, I mean, he's got good games here or there, but he's just a guy that you're going to profit more from fading than rostering. At almost 7K, you can just say, fully ignore him in all formats in my, in my eyes. Um, Jamari Wheeler's up to six, seven, which is nuts. Uh, he, man, he went really wild last game. He did have four steals. I think he's got back-to-back four steals. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah. So back-to-back games with four steals. It's really juiced up his, his, you know, fantasy points. He's also had a 13, five and five game, a nine, six and six. So he's been flirting with a triple double here quite a bit. So it's a completely different player. Wheeler's been becoming the best guy. I'm not necessarily going to use him there, but a guy that's producing like that is definitely in the GBP pool. I think the only real cash play we have here for Penn State would be Isaiah Brockington, who's who, who I always favor anyways. He's only 5'7 now. He's had a couple of down games, um, you know, relatively speaking. I think that this is a good bounce back spot for him, um, you know, at home against Minnesota. I, I could see him scoring, you know, 28, 30 fantasy points and kind of shattering this 5'7 price tag. He averages right around 23 and a half fantasy points. So um, definitely the guy that I would prefer if I'm going to use anyone over, you know, Wheeler, even John Harar at 6-1, Miles Dredd at 5K, who is now probably priced out. We saw him get into foul trouble a lot last game, even though he was trending a decent game. It's really Brockington and then probably a few Minnesota guys here if you're planning to uh, get heavy exposure here. So what's your plan based off of injuries and everything else with your main lineup for this game? All right, so Penn State, nobody. Uh, I guess if I was forced to or GDP, probably be Jamari. A six seven, just because it, he's played well lately. On the other side, yeah, I read, the, I just read the same thing on on Gotch. So I'm seeing him getting projections around industry today too. So I'm assuming either that'll drop, or hopefully it doesn't let people play him because that that footage looks, looks concerning too. So if he is out, that's just going to make the Mashburn play better, correct? Is Mashburn? Yeah. I mean, Mashburn is and this kid's really look good too. I mean, and he's learning every game, but he, I mean, he's got, I think he started four straight. He's getting over 35 minutes and this dude's shooting 12, 12 shots a game. So Mashburn's, I think I like Mashburn a five, seven, but agree with you. I think Eric Curry is a near lock. If Robbins is out and it looks like Robbins is trending out and Curry has really done a really nice job. With, with Robbins out. And seem, to me, it seems like they're even better with him sitting right now. I mean, Robbins has had a good season, but he's those last two games he started, I mean, this kid's putting up over 30 minutes, 25 DK points. So I would almost lock him close to my main lineup, Curry. And uh, Marcus Carr, we got to talk about Carr. I've, I've actually played Carr the last couple of games. I haven't played him much this season. And he's done very well for me. He's quietly, seems like all he does is shoot, all he does is sign a foul line and shoot foul shots. But he put up 60 DK points last game, so I don't care how he gets them, he's getting them. And he, Curry does, at the end of the day, I mean, out of all the top 
scorers tonight. I mean, I think Carr is probably my favorite out of all of them when it comes down to is he the highest price? I think he is. Yeah, he probably, yeah, I think he is right. But Carr yep. is everything, and I think if you have the money with all this value, I may end up back with Carr again. Just he's got every his usage rate. Anytime I see that thirty percent usage rate, I go crazy and I want my lineup, and that's Marcus Carr. And I think his shot rate is close to thirty percent too, right? Rebound, defensive yeah, oh rebound, yeah. and he's got that. I think over thirty percent assist rate. So you start seeing all the thirties in there, thirty and thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes. Uh, I'm going to try to get Marcus Carmel. I don't know if I can at that price. At that price is high, but I think we could do it with a lot of this value. So I, I want Carr at this game, and I want Curry, possibly a little Mashburn, and that's probably it. Penn State and Myron. You know, Myron can go pound rocks. So I'm done with Myron. My Myron Jones for yeah. career. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, he's uh he's Ter- a terrible guy that yeah. It's, it's there's been there's been a lot of profitable fades and you know, we sometimes we'll complain about oh this guy's so chalky and gonna blah blah blah. It's you in C B B especially you can really utilize that leverage and, and fade a guy that you just don't like, but the industry inexplicably does. Now he's not gonna be chalky today because his price is way too high. He's one of the few that the price is egregious on such a, a soft pricing slate. So we won't be Getting any leverage fading him, uh, which he'll probably go off, right? But, uh, yeah, usually you can get away from him. I, but I, I, I do like Brockington at the 5-7 price. You do want some Penn State because this is a game that could go to – has that OT feel to it for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, all yeah, right, so agree. next game here, much more fantasy-friendly um, than, the you know, a couple of these other games here. Uh, NC State versus Notre Dame. Anytime Notre Dame's on the slate, there's going to be lots of, of fantasy goodness. Ken Palm has it 76-73 in favor of Notre Dame. 255 Temple ranking, NC State 186. The rotation for NC State continues to dwindle. You know, Devin Daniels has been out for a while. Thomas Allen is now out for the season with an ankle injury. So Cam Hayes, Darian Sebron, and Shaquille Moore are going to continue to see a nice boost in minutes and usage for the last couple of games here. And there's not, there's not long left, but just a few. Um, I definitely love... Darian Sebron at 4-3. He's been a little underwhelming recently. You know, he is a freshman, so he's going to have that ups and those ups and downs. The minutes were only at 14 against Pitt. This wasn't that effective. But prior to that, you look at his last three games, he had been at 29 or, or more minutes, and that was against Virginia, Wake Forest, and Pitt. So they've had, you know, outside of Virginia, some very soft opponents, and, and he's been able to, you know, do some damage. He had 38-1. 15 and 1, 10 and then 4. So it's not a, a slam dunk by, play by any means, but at 4 3, I do expect him to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes. He's been starting. Uh, as I said, Notre Dame's defense has been very fantasy friendly. So I could uh, expect to see some good things out of him as, a, as another guy that is going to be up there and probably be somewhat popular um, just because of his price point. Um, he does have a seven, almost 7% offensive rebounding rate, 2.5% steal rate, drawing right around 3.5 fouls per 40. So um, and his shot rate's hovering around 18%. <clears throat> Next guy uh, that I'd probably look at, I know you guys don't want to go back to DJ Funderbrook. He was in foul trouble all last game, fouled out early. But at 6-2, he's still very much in play. Um, bigs have really gotten over on Notre Dame all season long. You know, Lashesky and Juwan Durham are both, um, especially Durham, you know, a very good rim protector. Lashesky likes to shoot threes and whatnot. But they're, they just been, they're a short rotation, and they just don't, they don't have a true, you know, center that's going to lock down the paint so bigs have have really gotten off on them so Funderbrook, Manny Bates 
um, I guess Helms to an extent, but mostly Thunderbrook and Bates are the two that I would want to target. 6-4 for Bates, 6-2 for Thunderbrook. I think both guys are easily going to eclipse 4X in this game. Uh, you know, as long as they don't get into foul trouble, of course, there's that caveat. But if the industry is going to jump off of Thunderbrook, because he was like 70% on Sunday, um, and go to Bates, then I think I would be more apt to go to Thunderbrook, because I think they both, at the end of the day, are going to project about the same. They're probably going to score about the same. Thunderbrook maybe has a, you know, not quite the upside that we've seen from Bates, but Bates' upside really came from Thunderbrook being out with them together. You know, they're cannibalizing each other. I just feel like Thunderbrook is more of a safe option. And a guy that I could see scoring, you know, almost 30 fantasy points today. Um, Cam Hayes has been rocking and rolling. He's almost 6K. I think that he's the guy that people are starting to feel the most comfortable with. And I get that. Um, it's just that price is really, when you have a guy all season long, and we were talking about this on the last stream, you know, you got a guy, I think, I can't remember who it was now. It might've been uh, Kobe Jones or something, but you got a guy who is under 5k all season. And all of a sudden they spike up to 6k because of they're, they're doing well in their production. And it's just really hard to justify in your mind paying that price, but he's definitely in play. I just favor the bigs in this game instead, but Hayes is playing 30 plus minutes uh, with Daniel's gone. And now Allen, there's really no one to take minutes from him. Um, and Hayes has been turned loose by Coach Keats. You know, Keats does a lot of weird stuff, you know, not quite to the Hamilton level, but he'll do things like bench a guy for no reason um, or sit a guy or start somebody new. So there's always that risk in the back of your mind. But you look at his last, you know, four games, he's been 19 plus fantasy points, 6K. He's hitting that 4X marker. So definitely a guy that is in play. Um, just another one that if he's going to be super chalky across the industry, I don't know that I'm that excited about it. And then my guy Shaquille Moore is still in play at 5-1. He's coming off the bench, so his minutes are in the low 20s, upper teens. Um, but another guy that's going to get you around 15 to 20. Now that his price is up to 5-1, it's a little less desirable, but definitely a guy that I like. Um, Notre Dame side, Prentice Hub's price has climbed, uh, reasonably so. He's been having some big games here. Um, he's 8-1. As we mentioned, he's playing 93% of the minutes, which is the ninth most at his position in the country. 26.5% usage rate, 25% shot rate. Assist rate over 32%. There's a lot to like about Hub, but now that he's at this price of 8-1, we've seen him even in good matchups. You look at the game against Miami where he played 40 minutes. He unfathomably only scored 15 and a half fantasy points in, in 40 minutes of play, which is just completely unacceptable. Before that, he had a string of 30s, but he does have a couple games this season where he's put up a 20, 25-point clunker. And now that he's at 8-1, he's really a guy that, you know, he needs to have that, that consistency level. Not on Moses Wright where he's putting up 60 necessarily, but I got to see a lot of 30s. And typically he is a 30-point scorer. So um, in the softer matchups like NC State would be, I definitely like him here. But uh, now that his price point is so high, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, slamming him into everything, but he is the best Notre Dame play by far. I really like Shlesheski at 6'5". Um, he had been priced up almost to 8K there recently, uh, two games under 25 fantasy points in his last two, um, but typically he's going to be between 20 and 35. He's actually one of the best three-point shooters in the country, top 35, uh, 46% on the 74 attempts, highest offensive rating on the team, um, actually second highest behind DeShogo, which is hilarious, but they're both top 30. Um, his, his true shooting percentage is third best in the country at 71.4%, and he has a defensive rebounding rate of 21.7%. So a lot to like about Lashesky here as well. Um, Durham's fine, but I think Lashesky, Hub, and then I'm typically not messing around with Wirtz and, and Cormac Ryan. They're priced about the same. They switch off games. It's really hard to predict them. Um, and then on the NC State side, I'm really fine with, you know, positions one through five, and then, you know, off the bench, Shaquille Moore. There's really six guys that they have playing right now. 
Uh, so you can play really any of them, I'm not counting Braxton Beverly in that seven, if you want to count him, but, uh, you know, the short rotation definitely makes them appealing. So how much exposure do you want to this one? No, no, I don't touch Notre Dame anymore. I'm done with those guys. I don't even like gotcha. Hubs price at a one when I'm seeing him throwing a ball up 20 times and he did take 19 shots against BC, but I'm still and his usage rate is still in the low twenties. I don't know. I just, there's much more we could of course, GVP, but much more we could use like a boot night over hub. Uh, on North Carolina, I may differ with you on one thing here. Uh, so we're talking about the big guys because Notre Dame is horrible, absolutely horrible. Their interior defense, right? They're bad. And they've been bad against forwards all year. The way I'm thinking is, yeah, he's a few hundred dollars more. But I can never see him to get Thunderbird or Bates, right? So... Why not go the extra five hundred bucks when you get when you got Helms and you know he's gonna pay thirty five to forty minutes? Uh, he's been play, he's been playing very well. Uh, to what I what I've seen, I mean he's not a superstar, but I mean he put up forty almost forty DK points the other day. Five for, he's five for thirteen, nine boards. Uh, I like seeing that eight boards against Virginia. So if I had the money, I would go Helms. I I just I can't get Bates or or Thunderbrook wrong, right? I mean, one of them was gets into foul trouble. It seems like one of our plays. So, uh, that's how I like. I like I like Helms that game. And Hayes is good. I just don't like Hayes' price. I just think he's now he's up to where he shouldn't be. But he's playing well and he's getting over thirty minutes. I'll also, you know, who's not getting any kind of love at all, and he's so he's so low is Braxton Beverly. He's only three eight now. That's it. Doesn't it's not going to take Beverly much to make value at three eight, and he's putting. It's not like he's not. It's not like he's not playing. I mean, he played thirty minutes last game against Pittsburgh, and he almost he almost had what twenty DK points. That's that's what some six six times. So I know there's other value there, but he's scored double figures in three of his last four. Just you don't hear anybody talking about him. I just think he's probably way too low for that price. So I don't know. I mean, his usage rate is almost the same rate as Prentice Hub is is Notre Dame. I'm not saying go and play him in a main slate, but just uh, I just find it. I just find that I just find that price interesting. He's so low at three eight when you know when he's playing with thirty. I guess before that he was only playing twenty minutes. I'm seeing. Is there a reason his his minutes jumped ten minutes for the Pittsburgh game? I didn't. I didn't watch that game. So uh, they well, they had to. Thunderbird got into early foul trouble, and then they they were running a smaller lineup, and then Shaquille Moore had a they had like a really bad turnover, and Keats did his his thing where he was screaming at him on the sideline. So I don't, I didn't watch the whole thing. I guess there was he left mid game, but uh, I I don't know. I get maybe they just because the lineup I saw was very small that they ended up running out there. Yeah. Um, because BC was missing, so. I think typically he's going to play 20, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely in, in line for GPPs. I think it's, you're looking at Beverly, you know, he's one of the best three-point shooters on the team, but his shot rate has has gone down from what it was in prior years, you know, sitting there at 14.5%. Um, but I mean, 3.8, yeah, I guess. I guess I could see it. Doesn't take much to make value, so. Uh, he's certainly not going to be in my main lineup. I just, found that, I, just see, I just find that price interesting. And he's been around that yeah. all year. He was three, actually, I think less over the weekend. And I just have to notice his prices now. I never, I never fight a guy, but all right. Enough, enough of Braxton. Bell. Yeah. He's, he's typically a guy you won't see. I mean, if you play him, you'll have him all to yourself because I think DFS players <laughs> and just, 
They're tired of him. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's a guy that gets ignored. Um, next game here, Providence versus St. John's. Ken Palm has it 77-75 in favor of St. John's. 12th in tempo ranking, Providence 279. Um, this is definitely one. This is one that was, would keep me from stacking up Florida or any of the other games that we talked about because I definitely want to get heavy exposure to this. Uh, St. John's games typically are, uh, you know, super fantasy friendly, high pace. Last time these two teams played, St. John's won 92 to 81. It was, you know, anytime their teams were playing in the 80s and 90s. In their prior game, you definitely want exposure. Uh, Champagne had 24 and 10. Uh, Rasheem Dunn had 10 assists, 13 points. Posh Alexander, my man, had 21 actual points, hit three threes, which was great, had four assists and a steal. Those were the notable stat lines. And then a lot of guys off the bench had eight, nine, ten points. Um, and then Nate Watson, as often happens when St. John's is on the slate, they get torched by front court players. Watson, in 35 minutes of action, had 30, uh, 30 points, eight rebounds, a block, a steal, and assist. His usage rate in that, that particular game was 31%. He took 20 field goal attempts. Now, Watson's been really ordinary since that game, so maybe that pushes people off, but that would be a pipe dream, really, because DK priced him at just 5.8. So <sighs> this would be a play I expect to be super heavy, um, super heavy chalk, a play that you want to just go ahead and, and run. Um, really no reason not to. As I said, St. John's, you know, front court, they get destroyed. If you want to pivot in GPPs, you know, just in case the unthinkable happens, he gets into foul trouble or he doesn't play well, then, you know, for 1,100 more, you've got Noah Horkler, uh, who's a GPP guy, you know, leverage only. He's been, and Horkler's played well. It's just a super high price. Um, why don't you tell us who else you like here? I got to take care of something in the background here. But who else you like? All right. So this game, like you said, this game reminds me so much of this the Florida-Missouri game at the start. There's like so many ways you can go. I'm more leaning toward, I guess, Providence. And I didn't even realize that was Watson's price at 5'8 until you just said it. So Nate Watson is a lock. You almost have to play him at 5'8. You have to lock him in your main lineup. Yep. He's going to – he should have a field day against his against his uh, St. John's interior. And St. John's interior is bad. So I would say just lock him in and move on. So – Horkler would, would turn into a GPP play. Uh, David Duke, if he's running the same, very similar to Marcus Carr, but to me, I'm gonna I, if I had the money, I'm going to go to an extra couple hundred dollars and go Carr. It just seems to me like, once again, I, I, sometimes guys leave bad taste in their mouth, and I've played Duke the only two times this year. He's probably had a horrible year, I mean, horrible game, and so maybe I'm prejudiced, but I just, to Could me, I just, I just feel like... Uh, Carr is in a better spot than, than David Duke Duke today, though. But Duke is, is such a good player. So, um, who else? Oh, and uh, AJ Reeves. That's that's way too low, also. AJ Reeves is. I was just looking at his damn price. What's he for? Or... I just lost his price. He's 5'7. Or, uh, or four six, right? Uh, five seven. I'm four six is his FanDuel price. So AJ Reeves is that's way too low for his price also. When he's been sitting at what a week ago he's seven four, six five, and he's I mean he had a decent game against Xavier. He put the ball up nine times, he was five for nine.
uh, to rebound. He's so, a game time decision, has a thumb injury. Um, so he could potentially be out, which would obviously help Duke and Reeves because, you know, we know Posh's defense is elite and he's going to, you know, be able to shut some guys down. So that would certainly help on that side. And then Greg Williams, you know, you had mentioned Beverly. The reason why, you know, besides Beverly being just a stand in the corner guy, we have all these other options at 3-8. And we've been having a lot of playable options. But Greg Williams is there at 3-8. He played 21 minutes against Villanova. If if Posh was out, I would expect him to jump back in the starting lineup yeah. and probably play 30 minutes. So that would be your, your, your best value play on the board, assuming Posh is out. And it's one of the early games. Um, so we'll know pretty, pretty fast. We won't have to wait all night, you know, and until, you know, way late for USC or something to get value. We'll have it right away. And Greg, I mean, Greg Williams is not a pushover. We've seen Greg Williams explode in games against, uh, was it Georgetown? I think earlier this year he had a big game. Uh, so yeah, he yeah he's just had his though. back, his, his back issue has been flaring up and, and he even re-injured it a couple games ago. So he hasn't been able to get in for very long, but that Villanova game really showed he looked fluid and, and yeah, played the 21 minutes. So Whoa, there you go. Uh, we could three, be looking at a, a big bounce back from him, definitely. Yeah, three, three, yeah. Uh, I would be, be playing him over Brex and Beverly, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to like here. I mean, even I could get on board with playing Duke. You know, he's the, the nice thing about Duke is he's playing the whole, basically the whole game, uh, 91.1% of the minutes at his position, which is the 20th most in the country. Shot rates around 27%, 28% usage, drawing five fouls per 40. He's shooting 41% on 113 attempts from long range. So I think if, yeah, obviously everyone's going to go Watson, which I will be too. Um, but you have some good pivots here with Horkler and Duke. And I guess Reeves may end up chalky too. But And, and I didn't even mention Jared Bynum, who I think yeah. is is working his way back towards, you know, bigger minutes. Um, you know, he was injured for most of the season. But he did play 22 minutes against Xavier. Uh, scored 18 and a half fantasy points, 10, three and three, um, hit a couple of triples. He's only four, two. If he were to, you know, start, obviously he's made breed a, an afterthought, but if he was to definitely start tonight or, or, you know, get some kind of assurance that he's going to play 20 plus, I think at four, two, he's very playable too. And this game represents the best game stack of the night. There's many ways to combo out of this game, but there's, there's at least four guys on Providence that yeah, I'd be okay running on a main lineup. Obviously, I'm not going to do that, but I would be okay any combination of those. And on the St. John's side, Greg Williams, definitely. Um, and then everybody else is kind of just, you know, there. Champagne at 8-7, that's kind of a tougher price. He's obviously good, but I think he's mostly GPP. And then if Posh were to play, he's only 6-5. And you know Posh isn't going to be half-assed if he does play. He's going to give it his all. Yeah. So I think 6-5 is a pretty decent price for him as well. Um, I just you know what I really like? Go ahead. If you're playing, if you're playing FanDuel, I just know uh, Horkler is only 4-2 over on FanDuel. Yeah. So that's pretty damn cheap for I wouldn't be playing Horkler on the main DK, but I think it's pretty, that's pretty, too cheap on Vandal. Yeah, there's I mean Curry Mashburn, Horkler, there's there's you can make almost an, a half yeah, your lineup yeah. on Fanduel under 5k and uh, I know people that are playing Fanduel that are are not even using all their salary because there there's just no reason to. You've got all you can easily fit, you know, Evan Mobley or whoever because they just don't Stupid. care anymore. Yeah, it's dumb. Um, dumb. But yeah, uh, coming out of this game, and then you know, I was just going to say the only other guy really on the St. John side that I would maybe consider would be Isaiah Moore. I really, I really like Moore. Uh, he has the highest offensive rating on the team: nineteen point six percent defensive rebounding rate, ten point three percent offensive rebounding rate, four and a half percent block rate. He has a he's shooting sixty three percent inside the arc because most of his shots are dunks. He just he always gets in position to dunk. Um, he had thirty one fantasy points against DePaul, but he had a string where he was hitting uh seventeen to twenty fantasy points each game. Now he's up to five four, so a little tougher. 
against Providence last time. He had nine points, four boards in 17 minutes. He was in foul trouble for most of that game, but I could see him being kind of a sneakier GPP guy there because at 5-4, no one's going to use him. Um, and if Posh is out, they're going to rely more on that inside scoring. Uh, and Greg Williams is really good at, at dishing the rock before he's back injury. So I could see more having a sneaky good game as well. Yeah, but it's mostly the Providence tough. side. Yeah, it's mostly the Providence side that I would be mini stacking here and then running it back with Greg Williams if Posh is out. If Posh plays, I would even consider running him. Um, but that's probably it, basically, for this one. All right, uh, we got what three, four games left. Creighton versus Villanova. Ken Palm has a 76-73 in favor of Villanova. They're 319 sample ranking. Creighton 146. I had to get it out of my head here that Creighton's not, you know, some super juggernaut defense. Earlier in the year, they were a team not to target because they were doing so well, but now they're giving up a lot of fantasy points. So I think there's quite a bit to like here on the Villanova side and not as much on the Creighton side just because prices are so high. I mean, I know Zagorowski, everybody in the industry loves him. I'm kind of, I've been sour on him this year for whatever reason. He's up over 8K. I would, I would much rather, you know, play a myriad of other guys, Book Knight over him, 100% for me. Um, and then you got, you know, Denzel Mahoney at 6'3", who I think is probably the most playable Creighton guy today. Um, you know, again, Bishop 6K, Valak 5'3", and then, and then Jefferson's back up over 7K. So everybody's priced pretty much where they should be. I always like Ryan Kalkbrenner as kind of a sneaky GPP value guy at 4'5". Whenever he plays, he's like a, the upgraded version of, of Ryan Young from Northwestern. Whenever he plays 18 to 20 minutes, he just berserks his price. So keep him in mind. But I think it's Villanova here. Uh, Justin Moore is always in play at 6'2". I know he kind of had, had a bad, uh, you know, not a great game the last time out, uh, or last time or two people kind of soured on him, but low 6K is really good for him. Caleb Daniels is still there at 4'4". You know, he's starting. He's a, a really solid three shooter that can do some damage. Uh, if you need another value guy out there, that, that's not as popular. The three of his last four games, he's played 22 plus minutes. He did score 24 against St. John's, and then coming back against Butler, only 12 fantasy points. But he did uh, actually have 10 real points, shot the ball 12 times. So look more at that as opposed to, oh, he only got 12 and a half fantasy points. The volume's still there for him. Uh, three of his last four games, he's taken five-plus jumpers and, and six triples or more. Or, I'm sorry, five triples or more in, in uh, two straight games. So there's a lot to like. Jeremiah Robinson Earl's price is back up to 8.5 after a – 41 against Butler, which was very impressive. He had a letdown against St. John's, which was shocking. Um, I think he's another guy, though, that you could potentially play. Uh, Creighton, they held him to 25 fantasy points last time out and get some foul trouble, but he did play 37 minutes. He had 8, eight 7, and 2 with a block and a couple of steals. He's another one of those guys that's just very safe. You know, as I said, you may need 5x to really profit this slate, but for safety-wise, if you want a guy that, that has minimal bust potential, throw out that St. John's game. He's typically getting 30 fantasy points or more. Um, so I definitely like JRE. I think he's, he can do some damage. Uh, if you're looking for the GPP special, it's Jermaine Samuels there at 6'6". Probably nobody will be on him. He's got 40-point upside, and it's when you least suspect it. So keep him in your mind as well. But most of the guys otherwise in this game are, are pretty much priced where they should be. You know, I, I rarely use Gillespie. I think 7'3 is probably the price that he should be. Zagorowski is a little high for me, so... I may not come out of this game with much, if any, exposure, but I do like guys like JRE, Caleb Daniels, and Justin Moore. Uh, you know, if anyone shows me a lineup today with those guys in it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, ooh, no, but I'm just not building around them. So, what's your approach here? Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, I pretty much anybody here is appropriately priced, and I don't think I have any of these guys in my lineup. The only one that kind of interests me a little bit uh, for Creighton is Christian Bishop at six, at six K, and just because he actually had a really good game. 
and the first meeting, and they they beat they beat Nova in that game too, correct? Yeah, yeah, they won. Yeah, they beat him like sixteen points. So I just like Bishop's price, but these guys are all the price where they should be, and I'm got nobody in my main lineup. GBPs, yeah, you can get all these guys like Gillespie and and Jerry and all these guys. You know, they're all good players still, but uh, GBP only. I can't see any of these guys. Yeah, Balak is the only one that really, uh, you know, I had mentioned Mahoney in mind, but Balak is is really quietly, you know, posting some some good stat lines. The DePaul game, he was non-existent, which is quite shocking against DePaul. But uh, three of his Cheap. last four, he's been over 22 fantasy points. So I always like using him when he's been at like 4.8 to 5K, but uh, he's close at 5.3. He's definitely a, a playable option. He did have almost 30, or what? 30, he did have 30, 36 and a half fantasy points. Hit six triples last time out against Nova. So maybe yeah, a that's, yeah. option there. That's, that's Yeah, I would probably him over Bishop now. I'm looking at it. I like that price. And he just his problem is he doesn't, he doesn't get much. I don't like his usage, but uh. mm-hmm. but yeah, he had he had a nice little string there for a few games against against even a Nova game. The Nova game he put up, had a decent game too. I didn't even realize that. So yeah, Bow could be my play then for for Creighton. A nice call, five three. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a guy like you mentioned. His his usage is quite low, but he's mostly a shooter, shooting almost forty two percent from long range on one hundred and fifty attempts. So he'll chuck. Next game here, uh, another one that has some sneaky fantasy overtime potential, uh, Maryland versus Northwestern. Ken Palm has at 68-65 in favor of Maryland. 322 tempo ranking, Northwestern 147. Um, right away, there's some prices here we can exploit. Daryl Morsell at 5-1. I think he'll probably wind up being a popular play at that price. Um, you know, he, he looked really good in his last couple of games uh 34 minutes against michigan state had 23 and a half fantasy points 11 3 and 3 just filling up the box score um two of his last three games he's had three steals you know he's getting a two three assists he's just he's not doing anything any one single category excellent but he's just contributing enough at this price of 5-1 he should easily hit 4x now we may need more than that like i said 5x but i think he's definitely capable here i would prefer him a little bit more uh you know, to be at like four or seven or something, but five one is definitely a, a workable price. And like I said, I think he will end up being relatively popular here. Um, Dante Scott at seven K, he's always in play when he's you know seven K or less. We know the story on him. He's going to put up that twenty five to thirty two number, so you can use him. Um, Wiggins seven six, still a little too high for me, uh, especially on the road. He prefers. To, I mean, he seems to be a little bit better at home. And then Eric Ayala at 7-7 seven, seven is a, a GPP special. Uh, two of his last three, he scored over 38 fantasy points. So uh, he's really kind of taken the reins a bit more, even over Wiggins, who, you know, has his games. But Ayala just is consistently, you know, taking 10-plus shots. He's getting himself to the free throw line. He's got solid rates. Um, he's just a guy that, that – and nobody really rosters him. And that 7-7 seven, seven price obviously isn't that appetizing. But if he's going to continue to post 30-plus fantasy points, that's fine. He does have a 23.7% shot rate. Uh, he's drawing four and a half fouls per 40, um, getting himself to the foul line at a very high rate, highest on the team. Um, and he's playing 80% of the minutes at his position, which is second most on the team right behind Aaron Wiggins. So definitely an Ayala fan if you want to uh, you know, pay up there or you're running multiple lineups. And then don't sleep on uh, Hakeem Hart, who's going to be a guy I think we're talking about a lot next year. He's been playing right around 20 minutes started. He did play 35 minutes last game. So, I mean, it was a, a huge blowout, and that may have led to him playing more. But uh, 
he's typically a guy who's going to be around 4x at this 5k price especially if he starts so a lot to like on the maryland side we know northwestern gives it up in in bulk now boo boo is the most expensive player on northwestern now um i'm not saw that <laughs> i'm not gonna go there basically it's like this if it was kind of like with michael potter right if you weren't rostering him every single time then you you better be fading it's he's not the type of player that you can pick and choose what games you play i'll be very shocked if, i mean i won't be shocked to see people chase but he shouldn't be he shouldn't be chalky he's he's been hot he's hit five threes in two games double digit shots he's kind of you know taken back over the alpha role over chase audage here for a couple games I doubt it continues, but you never know. Maybe he's turned that corner, but this is exactly what he did earlier in the season. You know, he had a couple games where he shattered and then he got up to 6K and it was like, oh yeah, boo-booey, man, let's use him. I'm not making that mistake again. He, if he drops 40 today, so be it. I'll lose to that, but I'm certainly not sinking 6-4 in him. I would Hell much no. rather play somebody like Chase Oddish who has had a couple of down games. He was up to almost 8K at one point, so he's very interesting. I'm not saying I'll play him, but I would certainly play him over Bowie. Oddish has almost 30% shot rate, which is highest on the team, 27% usage rate, highest on the team, and a 3.1% steal rate, which is highest on the team. So there's a lot for Oddish, the, uh, the transfer to like. You know, he came from the CAA, and he's really done well. Um, if I was going to use somebody from Northwestern, I would probably use Pete Nance. Uh, Maryland is not your traditional – they don't have a traditional center. You know, they use guys like Gant Smith, Darren, Darius Hamilton, even Dante Scott as a stopgap there. So I, I do think Pete Nance, who – Nobody's talked about in many, many months. Um, he just hasn't been having those scores that would make him noticeable, but he does have upside. We've seen him post, you know, 35, 38s, 33s in the past. Um, and I think this is a game that suits him well. Uh, at home, I think we could see him, you know, post 25 to 30 fantasy points against this Maryland squad um, as long as he doesn't get himself into foul trouble. And there's nobody in the Maryland interior that should really do that. Now, if he's guarded by Hamilton or Smith, who are two habitual foulers i think he could even you know get himself to the foul line a few times if they get it to him down low now he's only taken seven field goals in two games which is enough to scare people off and i get that but look at his rebounding totals you know seven six seven three assists four assists a couple of steals couple bucks he does enough and now he's under 6k he was priced too high before and he may not even be you know a, a cash play at this five nine but i just i would be remiss if i didn't mention him 22.8 percent shot rate he has a 3% block rate. His defensive rebounding rate is top 70 in the country at 24.5%. Doesn't do much offensive rebounding. The team doesn't in general, but he limits a lot of, of second opportunities for the other team. So I could very well see him, you know, get 10, 12 rebounds. Maybe he only scores six real points, but give me those rebounds and blocks. I think he'd pay this price off. Ryan Young's back down to 4-2. I was really disappointed because I, I lobbied for him to start for so long. Because he was tearing it up in his 17 minutes. He finally started, and things kind of fell apart for him. Uh, he still has the highest offensive rating on the team. He's got a 10.3% offensive rebounding rate, a 17.5% defensive rebounding rate, and a almost 3% block rate. Also drawing four and a half fouls per 40. So this would be, a, if he was going to bounce back, this would be the time to do it. Because like I said, Maryland just doesn't have a traditional center. He did score 18 fantasy points against Minnesota in his last game with 18 minutes. Um, maybe he just can't handle the big minutes. I don't know. Against Indiana in 40 minutes, he did have 26, which was encouraging. But uh, I could see Ryan Young and Pete Nance, you know, one or the other, possibly both having a, a really solid game here. And then you got guys like Miller, Miller Cop at 4-8, Robbie Barrett at 3-8, you know, Anthony Gaines at 4-1. A lot of cheapies here. And I don't want to completely ignore this game because I do think some, some guys are going to come out of here, you know, scoring 4 or 5x just because of, of you know, the, the salaries. So I definitely am leveraged towards the Northwestern side. 
And then Daryl Morrisell being that chalkier cash play for Maryland, if I'm going to use anyone there. So I could see this one just, you know, being ignored by majority of the industry. Um, but like I said, I, I think there's at least two or three guys coming out of here with, with good fantasy scores. And then it's probably not going to be Boo Booey. But if it is, then I'll gladly, you know, eat my words and, and congratulate them. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this could be this could be some sneaky value GPP, especially. Uh, you didn't even mention Robbie Barron at three eight. I could see Robbie Barron doesn't wouldn't make much of him to hit four or five five x. Uh, so yeah, Nance's Nance's a good call at five nine. Says you with the rebounds. Uh, but to me, I, this is just waste too much other out there. But uh, I think all could be solid plays. I like Daryl Morsel. I've liked Morsel all year. I and I. It kind of makes me mad because that price, that five one price. I wish he was a little. I actually wish he was a little higher in this one, so people would be off him. He just, I don't know. I mean, he just becomes such a, such a leader on that team, and he, he's, he's he leads a team in assists. He's he's turned into like a reliable scorer now. Um, I don't know. I just I just like everything about Daryl Morsel, and I'm probably gonna end up playing him as whether he's. Chalky or not, I, I think he's definitely the play of the game. He, he should probably be 6K, and he's going to get 30, 35 minutes. Give us probably 25 fantasy points. So I'm all on a morsel. And all these other guys are all sneaky GVP plays. Everybody be right, but Bowie, he just he, he just goes up to 2K because of one or two good games, and all of a sudden he's he's an all-star kid. But uh, morsel, and then rest rest of the North, everybody but Bowie probably had a Northwestern team could be, I think, can make value somewhere and could give somebody a nice little bump. Yeah. Bowie is, has got trap written all over it. I mean, we, this is the same exact setup of two months ago when he did the same thing and we thought it was safe to pay up for him. And yeah, he went, he did it hard. I think he got like 0.5 or some, some crazy thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Otters and Nance are the plays for the Northwestern. I'm in agreement with you on more. So there's, there's a lot to like here, especially if you go with the balance build. All right, uh, next game, we're heading to the Pac-12 section of the night. So, you know, we've got some late hammers here. Um, there's no real – I guess Stanford, the next game, will have some injury stuff, which later. So um, you will have to stay up and grind this because there's injury news to wait for. But pretty much safe in the Oregon game. Uh, Ken Palm has it 70-68 in favor of Oregon. 245th Temple ranking, UCLA 336. I will start with UCLA. Uh, Johnny Jusang, man, he I got to give it to him. The improvement he has shown from – from his Kentucky days. Um, and I see we have a couple Kentucky fans here on the, on the chat. So welcome. Um, they probably don't like hearing that, but Juzang's looked really well. Uh, you know, 23.9% usage rate, 28.5% shot rate, shooting 38% from long range on 104 attempts. He, uh, his price ballooned so much. It, it seemed, it seemed ridiculous, you know, this 8k to pay. And, and he had a couple down games, but he's still over 20. Now his last two, he scored 38 and 32, and and the 32 was against Colorado on their floor, which historically the Colorado at Colorado is a tough place for shooters. Um, and he shot seven for 12 from the field, hit three threes on them. So I was impressed by by his game there at Colorado. Um, now he's traveling to Oregon, you know, tough defense. Uh, but I, at six six, he's a he's a prime GPP type of play. I, I I could probably even get behind using him in your main lineup. Um, just because I think he's that good right now with his rates. Um, Jules Bernard is really cheap. He's been getting minutes 5-6. He played 38 minutes in his last game. Uh, he's had actually, what, five straight at 30-plus minutes, uh, two of his last three over 20 fantasy points, so I definitely don't mind him. 
Tiger Campbell has been a, a, a big letdown in conference. You know, we were using Campbell a lot, especially me. I was on the Campbell hype train early in the season, using him a ton. And then conference play hit, <clears throat> and he just he, he kind of fell off, man. And the last couple of games, he's been under 20, even more so to the point that – and he was kind of chalky at the 5-4 against Colorado, and I, I didn't use him there either, and he didn't do that well. Um, you know, 5-8 is a, is a decent-looking price on the surface for him, but he's just not – He's just not getting it done, man. His, uh, his usage rate's kind of in the low 20s, which a, a point guard you would expect to have a much higher rate, especially with his assist rate being top 50 in the country at 32%. Uh, he's not drawing fouls at a very high rate, just under 3.5%. Um, he's only shooting 26% from long range, which is a killer as a point guard. you got to be shooting better. His, his rebounding rate's non-existent. There's just not a lot to like about Tiger Campbell, so I'm kind of shitting on him here, watch him go off. But, uh, yeah, I think it's either Juzang or, or Bernard for a couple hundred less, and I never thought I'd say that. Now, we know if you've listened to me over the last two years, Oregon is, you know, the DVP against them is bigs. Fortunately, UCLA's bigs are unreliable. Jalen Hill has been gone from the team for personal reasons, so that leaves Cody Riley at 5-1. He's another guy that draws ownership a lot, and I, I'm just not big on him. He's a big-time fouler. I can see him on the road getting into some foul trouble. Maybe we see a little Mac Etienne, you know, on the floor there at 3-3 or maybe Nueva. So I don't think anyone on the Bruins is going to be able to take advantage of the, the Bigs versus Oregon DVP that the industry is really slow to catch up on for whatever reason. Um, on the Oregon side, you know, Dorotay's balloon back up to 8-6. I think we can safely avoid him. He's going to get his 30. There's a cost opportunity there. It hits 4X. That's fine. But, you know, we have this conversation all the time about cost opportunity. Is he going to get 5X or more? I, I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I'd much rather pay down to Eugene Amarui, who's even cheaper than LJ Figueroa. Figueroa is starting to be priced like the St. John's version of himself, which is fine. I realize he had a 51-point game, but it was against Cal. Mm. He's been scoring right around the mid-20s otherwise. So you're, pay, you're 8K, you're paying a huge amount just to get 3X. Um, I don't think that makes too much sense. So it's Amarui, or, or maybe even if you know, you're believing in Will Richardson's little resurgence here over the last two or three games uh, at 4-9, that's fine. But there's, it's not a game that I'm going to be heavily targeting at all. Both teams have solid defense, and I think we could be looking at an ugly one here. Um, so Juzang and Amarui would be my two preferred plays if I was going to use anyone at all. What are you doing here? Yeah, I agree with you. I Let everybody else go to Figueroa and Duarte. Was, that's a pretty good price for, for EO. And when I see 30% usage, I like it. So probably other, other plays at that price we like better, but he's in play. I'm seeing Cody Riley catching popping a little bit here, but man, I can't. I've been through that. I've been through that uh, rodeo before, and I'm not about to try that again tonight. I'll play. I'll play Riley tonight. He'll have two. He'll have two fouls in the first three minutes. So I mean, yeah, we would jail and yeah. he'll out. It puts him in play, but um, I'm not. I'm not dealing with that nonsense on a late hammer and then needing Cody Riley to come through, and he's on a bench. At the, you know, in the three, three or four minute mark. Juzang, man, he's. This kid's been on fire. You know, I, I just saw, too, as you were talking, his home away splits are crazy. He's averaging 10 more points, real points, on the road, and even, like, 12 DK points more on the road. And they're on the road here at Oregon, so, which I, I, I makes you even like him better. And his usage is close to 30% also. So I'm aboard this Johnny Juzang train. I like that price of 6'6". Six, six. Got to got to look through all the plays again though, but hey, I could I could see him being on your main one or two lineups. Definitely the way this kid's been playing, he's been playing well and getting almost forty minutes last game. Give me some more. 
Yeah, that's it. Sure. That's it. Yeah, this this, this game is kind of like a blah game to me. Uh, like probably better real life game than anything, but just using. All right, and the the ultimate hammer here, uh, ten thirty Eastern, seven thirty Pacific. Uh, you know, ninety minutes after the the night set of games, you'll have to stay up if you plan to have exposure. And I think you definitely should. On the Stanford side, the question will be Oscar da Silva. Um, will he play or won't he? He's had some foot issues, so he's missed a game or two. Um, he's only seven five. If he were to play, it'd be an interesting GBP play. Obviously, they're going against USC, who has one of the better defenses in the Pac-12, especially on the interior. Um, if he were to sit, then there's a lot to like, though. You know, you've got Jaden Delaire there at 5'5", who has really had a breakout season because of all the injuries that Stanford's been suffering throughout the season. His minutes, you know, catapulted up in the mid, mid-20s, upper 20s, mid-30s at times, um, has become a, a very reliable scorer and somebody who has been hitting 4X at this current price uh, quite a bit. So he's definitely in play. Obviously, the big thing will be Zaire Williams, who... Hasn't been fantasy relevant in a very long time. You know, the beginning of the season, the non-con, we were using him, and, and he was doing well. He had some issues and, and sat out. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been a long time since he scored that 51-point game against UW. I remember it well, against my Huskies uh, at the yep. beginning of the year. He's really been kind of, you know, ordinary since. And he's been dealing with some issues. He was out for almost a month, and it's been slow going. He's been playing right around mid-20s. He did play 20, 28 minutes in his last game there against Oregon State, so that was encouraging, you know, with the Silva sitting. Um, he's been a bit of a fowler. He's very eager on defense. He reaches a lot. He doesn't, you know, when he goes up for blocks, he, he bodies guys. So there's always going to be that risk, but at 4-6, there's a lot to like here, um, especially if, you know, he were to draw the start or, you know, De Silva sits. So there's going to be a play that you may have to, you know, because if, if De Silva plays, I don't like it quite as much. But you have some options here to swap to, especially on the USC side. So you may want to leave yourself, if you do plan on playing him and you don't have a straight swap in mind, maybe, maybe you leave yourself two players here to, to do some swaps. Because uh, if, if De Silva sits, I think it's going to be very hard to get away from him at 4-6 because 20 fantasy points is very attainable for him, especially if he plays 28 to 30 minutes. You could do a straight swap, I suppose, to you know somebody like Spencer Jones or Bryce Wills. Dejon Davis, if you have enough salary, everybody on the Stanford team is really reasonably priced after De Silva, and it's just because they're cannibalizing each other. Now that they are getting healthy outside of De Silva, they've got O'Connell, Delaire, Davis, Jones, Williams, and Wills, Kasunas a little bit. You know, they've got a pretty wide, you know, range on their rotation. Um, but I don't have any issues with most of these guys if De Silva sits. If he plays, it's a different story. So we will have to monitor that, um, you know, throughout the day. On the USC side, uh, my guy Evan Mobley, he's 8-2. He, he had two of the worst games you'll see. Uh, you know, and, they, and he still had 20 fantasy points in that Colorado-Oregon game, but for him it was, it was really putrid. And one of those games was without Isaiah Mobley, so it's unfathomable to see him do that poorly without uh, his bro. Um, his bro came back. He saw him against Utah. He had 11-8-2 with a block and two steals for 29 fantasy points. That was at 7-4, which is way too low. Um, now his price is 8.2. Uh, I think he's probably the, I don't want to say the lock of the slate, but I'm coring him for sure. Uh, what are you doing with Mobley here? Because this, this price is way too good to get away from, right? Yeah, I know. It, it's way too good. And I mean, I, I don't know if I want two players, but definitely if, if the Silva's out, I, I would have Zero Williams second in my lineup at that 4 6. He's just way too good. And yeah, he struggled a little bit, but uh, not to change the subject, but. Yeah, Mobley's a, Mobley's like a main cash. I think he's a main. 
he's the main lineup guy. He's just way too, way too good. And you, he may catch him a little bit lower on tubes his last couple of games. He's been, last three games, actually, he's been down a little bit. since We just got so used to this guy being in the mid-40s and 50. Uh, I I don't know, but he's he's close. He's he's one, top one or two lineups, definitely. He's got he's to gotta be. Or is this a trend we're starting to see now where, you know, this point of the season is just, is he, I mean, he's a freshman, you know, is he, is he running out of gas a little bit? Is there something more going on? I still think, I still think AK is probably too cheap. Yeah. All right. Well, so, so you're saying you're, you only think you'll have one player from this game, not two, or? Um. I, I, to me personally, I mean, I see Williams is a, is a, is a lock if the Silva's out, and then I, I, I Mobley, I gotta look, I just gotta look how the lineup comes together. Here's the thing, you got, you got a choice between Mobley, say Mobley, Book Knight, he's about the same price as Book Knight now, right? Uh, who else is in there? Um, yeah, he is the best knight. I'm, I'm looking now. That's a, a Zeg, Prentice Hub, Figueroa, the whole bunch. He probably is the best. Out. So you got to choose between him and Boot Knight. Who are you taking? That's tough. I, I think I would I would probably honestly lean towards, towards Mobley. Um, you just think he's going to be, you know, there's less, I don't want to say less options, but I, I don't know. I, I would be Mobley. I'm a big Book Knight fan, but I, I mean, I would probably try to, to play both, honestly, because I'm not probably going to pay up for Carr, so I'll have that flexibility. Stanford's uh, without De Silva, they're going to be a sieve down low. There's going to be little stopping him from from doing what he wants. You know, if he's going to be guarded by Delaire or you know Keefe or something like that, then he he's just going to dominate. So I think Amabli's he's one of the better plays on the slate, if not the best. And then you know you you're waiting on that status for Zaire. Uh, if you are going to wait, you don't have any games before. We probably won't have that info. You know, maybe we get lucky and De Silva's out before the UCLA game. Uh, in Maryland games, so you have some flexibility. But if you're going to be sitting on Zaire, you're not going to have that info available to you. And that's why I think you, you may end up with two players in this game. Or you're just going to make the decision that yeah. you don't care and you don't want Zaire and you're going to fade him, I guess. So I, so I guess the way you, you go is you either, you're going to play one, you're going to play one of the big boys, uh, Carter Duke, with, with, a, with a Book Knight Mobley, or you play Book, Book Knight Mobley together and you don't yeah. go in that high nine range. I just I've I've had such good luck with Carr lately, but um that might be the way that might be the way to go. I mean it's obviously safer because all these high prices there isn't a, there's not too many must haves. I mean look at all these guys now you know Mamu, Champagne, Duarte, none of these guys are like I have to have in my lineup. So it's an interesting slate now that we get down to it. Yeah, and I think you know there there's no right or wrong way to go on this one, but there's enough value you know with the prices being so soft, a lot of these guys you can fit. Duke or Ricar, and then you could probably roll in with Mobley or or Book Knight. I think you can you can relatively easy go with a two eight k one nine k build if you want. Uh, there's just a lot of value out there, so you know you can run what? car if if you're hell bent on running car. But I I don't know. I think it's really risky to fade Evan Mobley at eight two against Stanford in my opinion. Yeah, that's just that's too cheap. So as I'm sitting there now with all the prices in front of me, with all the teams, I've been pretty much just going team by team as we've been talking, and I see it all in one big picture. Yeah, Moby's probably to play this. Now I'm looking at Moby. Probably is pretty close to the play to slate, especially up in that you know anybody's seven k and above. He probably he yeah. probably is, and there's a thirteen hundred dollar difference between him and Carr. So yeah, the, the probably the build will probably be with a 
with uh, Mobley and then dropping down to it might be not even a book night. I mean, EO, Trey Mann, there's a bunch of other ways you can you can go, but uh, I think you want probably two of them, two two of them big guys up there somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, USC still battling for potential tournament, you know, seeding. He did in 38 minutes of work against Stanford at Maples to Stanford's floor. He had 23 points on 13 field goal attempts, 11 rebounds, two blocks, and a steal. So a pretty solid day for him, through, you know, overall. In um, a lot, you know, if De Silva sits, especially, it's it's going to be tough. But we'll, you're going to have to make that decision ahead of time. So at the end of the day, because you know he'll dominate a, a De Silva-less Stanford squad for sure. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. <clears throat> All right, so that basically wraps up the game-by-game game portion. Um, uh, let's get into some prize picks plays, and then if anybody has any questions, feel free to pop those in the general room if, if you do have them. Now, on uh, prize picks, they do have for college basketball now not only the fantasy score, uh, but also single stat, which has been you know pretty nice uh, recently as well because there's been some softer numbers. Um, one guy that I'm going to continue to roll out there, and it's not on the slate, but there is a showdown slate between Syracuse and Clemson. Uh, he's becoming one of my guys, man. Amir Sims. I, I say it every time now. I've come full circle. He's he keeps paying my off Lord. too. He, his fantasy score uh, total here is thirty. I think it was twenty nine and a half or thirty point one, something like that last time. Uh, and he easily cleared it with a thirty six, thirty seven score. Now he's facing Syracuse. We know that big men or guys who do most of their work in the paint or on the glass have just destroyed Syracuse. No reason to think Amir Sims can't here. So I'm definitely going to be featuring his over. Um, his single point total 17 and a half. I wouldn't touch that just because he doesn't always score a lot. Real, you know, he might he might come out of there with 35, 40 fantasy points, but only scoring, you know, 12 actual points and then all his points coming from blocks and rebounds. So I would leave that one alone. Definitely think over 30 though is is very attainable for him. Uh, what are some other ones here that you're looking at, either on total fantasy score or single points? Uh, that's kind of tight to me. It, maybe Pinson over 21.4. Uh, there's not – I may end up taking some unders here. Uh, yeah, unders Mobley, work. Mobley's 37. What do you think? What about EO at 29? you think uh, Mori can get over 29? I do. That's a little closer, though, obviously. Um, I like on the single so points. Prentice, so let's be over 25. Oh, yeah, that one works. And then on single points, Prentice Hub 14 and a half over that on his, you know, I think he'll score, you know, 18 to 20 real points. Um, Ethan Thompson, 15 and a half real points. Timmy Allen, 16 real points against Oregon State. Those are the, the three or four that I'm really, you know, seem to be sticking out to me here. So if you're following oh, us on team. prize picks yeah. plays, that's, uh, those are a couple good ones that I like. Yeah, I didn't see Timmy Allen. I liked the Timmy Allen too. Yeah, so I agree with the, with the Timmy Allen sixteen. And what was the first one you said? Uh, the, uh, Amir Sims to over thirty fantasy points. And Sims. And there's then, something else you said in the single and sitting in a single stat before we said oh, hub. Did you say uh, no? You hub, said hub. Yeah, hub over fourteen and a half. Et yeah. over fifteen and a half, and Timmy Allen okay. over sixteen. Yep, I agreed all three of those. They did. They made Nate Watson kind of high at 28.6, but I mean, if we're, we're all in on him and think he's going to hit 30 plus, but I, I would have preferred them to post it at like 24 or 25. They took some of the value out there. So, um, all right. So the article will be out here shortly for this one. You guys can expect us to do morning every, you know, every single morning going forward that we don't stream. We're going to try to do uh, podcasts now that we're entering conference tournament season and March Madness around the corner. 
get you guys all up to date on our thoughts. Um, and then we are still planning a potential uh, March Madness bracket reveal stream. We're trying to figure out how we can do that live. Give you guys our thoughts on the bracket as it happens. So lots of cool stuff in the works. Pete's got spring training stuff coming out. NHL has been rocking and rolling. You got some articles coming out for us today, Pete. Yeah, for any of you premium members, 12, uh, 12.30, we got live at lock on um, YFC premium. There's a lot going on today, too. So as soon as I get off here, I got to figure out this pitching for today. But we've cashed pretty much every slate, and we've cashed the last nine slates in NHL. So we're rolling. The man never sleeps. If KBO DFS rolls back around, he'll, he'll yes. really not be sleeping. Yes, so, um, <laughs> that was fun. Appreciate everybody. Fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Appreciate everybody who tuned in live. Um, if you miss some or you want to go back and listen, we will have this posted on all the, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, all the podcast sites that you can think of on demand listening. Appreciate it, guys. Good luck. If you are a premium member, get over to the premium college room where we'll be chatting strategy. I'll post starting lineups, any relevant news for the day, um, all that good stuff. We we definitely pride ourselves on on breaking news and keeping all of you guys informed. There's been a lot of guys who, when they get scratched, around the industry, we see them still have ownership, whereas our members, you know, we're able to get off of them and, and not take a zero, you know, if they, without, unless the guy underperforms, right? But, you know, God, we won't take a zero from a guy not playing. That's something we pride ourselves on. So I'm all through. That's Pete. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Everyone, right, good, good luck. luck and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning with another podcast.